This is Season 7, Episode 4 of Beyond the Illusion. The Power of the Divine Feminine with Annabelle Duboulay. In this episode, we have a conversation with Annabelle Duboulay. Annabelle is a renowned spiritual guide with a gift for helping people tap into their divine feminine energy. With her extensive experience, Annabelle has honed her skills in guiding spiritual seekers to discover their inner goddess and achieve personal growth. Her passion lies in empowering individuals to embrace the sacred feminine and use it as a force for change in their lives. Annabelle's refreshing and authentic approach to spirituality has resonated with countless individuals, making her a highly sought-after mentor among those seeking to embrace the Divine Feminine. Let's go to the conversation with Annabelle Duboulay, Tiana Roser, and Tim Howe. I'd like to start off with how I know Annabelle. And this goes back to 2019. And I was on a point in my journey, I think a lot of us women, and maybe men as well, have had experiences in our life where we felt disempowered in being in our feminine. So intentionally or unintentionally, we step into maybe more of these masculine qualities. And that's true on the spiritual journey as well, this transcendence versus embodiment. Of course, we want both. Anyway, I've gotten to this point in my journey where I realized I really wanted to step more into my feminine in an empowered way. And I wanted to work with these different feminine goddesses and archetypes and and draw from that. And so I was looking for someone with that experience and that wisdom. And I'd looked at a number of different programs. And what really drew me to Annabelle is her integrity and authenticity. I'd listened to her speak and read things she'd written. And then her program, she didn't just take in anyone who wants to sign up. We had to interview for it. (laughs) I appreciate that because it needs to be a good fit for both sides. And I really like that. And signed up in 2019 for this pilgrimage that was going to happen in 2020. And we all know (laughs) how that went. So it kept getting pushed back. And finally, in 2022, last year, we're able to do it. In the meantime, it needed to change venues and all of these things. And it was perfect because it was supposed to initially be in a different area in Italy. And then it turned out to be in Sicily, which was amazing. I'd been to different parts in Italy and I'd never been to Sicily before, but it was really, really special. I'll talk about that more maybe later, but um, maybe Annabelle, if you want to give us your background, how did you come to have all of your knowledge and expertise and experience in this realm? Hi, lovely. So actually, Italy was really my initiation onto the path of goddess, of the rose, of the divine feminine. So back when I was 19, I started spending four summers in a very rural village in southern Italy. And I became fascinated by the interplay between what was a very pagan honoring of Mother Earth, but with prayers to the Madonna. And I found that interplay, which is really a very Gnostic path, so inspiring and it resonated deeply for me. So that was really my my initiation onto the path of the Black Madonna. 
And so all my work since then for the last 30 years has been always related to those lands and especially to Sicily. So it really was for me a dream come true to be able to take you all there last year on pilgrimage and to go to all those ancient sacred sites and temples of the Rose Goddess where they were deeply worshipped and honoured and revered. I think what's so important about making these pilgrimages to these sacred sites is that the energies in those lands really affect you on that deep individual level in your psyche. So these pilgrimages are very deeply transformational journeys where the archetypal energies of those goddesses really start to work on those archetypes within your psyche. And that for me is the power of working with these goddesses and with these archetypes like you said you were searching for. Yeah, it really surprised me. Like sometimes some of the places I was sort of expecting to have a certain kind of experience. And then I felt like, oh, I didn't really notice anything. And this, of course, true for the spiritual journey, like letting go of all of our expectations. Whenever I was not expecting something, it was crazy how intense some of the places were, how much it brought up within me and how I was able to relate to those goddesses and parts on my own, in my own life and on my own journey and how those energies were interwoven. Actually, it was my first pilgrimage. And I wasn't sure what to expect. Honestly, I've been on mostly a solo journey for a long time. And part of the thing about we're staying in rooms with strangers, other women on a spiritual journey, but people we have never met before. I think it goes back to you that the group was so amazing and we were so cohesive. And I just couldn't imagine how that could have fallen into place any better than it did. It was so, so beautiful how connected we all were. And that was a piece of it too, as far as coming into our feminine and having the sense of community and this connection with others on the journey, which a lot of us don't have in our modern lives now. So that was a piece of it for me too, that was really special that stayed with my heart and made me realize like, yes, it is in some ways, a solo journey because we're going to die alone or whatnot. But then that's part of the feminine experience. And that's part of the earthly experience to be in a place and feel the connection with the earth and the energies and then commune with other sisters. It was so incredible. Thank you for that. Yeah, I completely agree with you. The power of healthy sisterhood is just such a blessing in our lives and I think you're right it's actually quite rare you know we live quite solitary lives and that was definitely exacerbated by the pandemic and I think finding other sisters who are of a similar stage on their path of soul development and really feeling witnessed by them and honored and supported feeling that love and compassion and that understanding is such a gift and a blessing that we so need in our world today. And also, I always find from facilitating sacred circles as sisters, that it's so fascinating to watch how we can trigger each other and we can mirror each other and we can project onto each other. But ultimately, I really, truly believe that we've contracted as souls to come together 
for that deep work, that deep soul work. And whatever happens on a pilgrimage or within any kind of gathering like that, that is held within a safe container, is that people are transformed. They do experience healing, even at the times when they might have to look at those shadow places within that are getting triggered or any fear and resistance that comes up. But ultimately, by the end of that journey, they are reborn. You know, they are they are completely reborn into the next spiral of their lives and usually with a deeper strength, courage, self-knowledge and wisdom that comes from, from that deep sea diving. It was interesting too, the contrast, because maybe Sicily compared to some other places in Italy might be more conservative or old world or have a little more of that patriarchal values. And so for us to be stepping into and honoring the divine feminine, there were definitely some experiences, like one hotel where we stayed and there was like this whole football team of men and there was this really different energy. And a few times when we went to places that patriarchal energy kind of butted heads with us. And you really embodied this empowered, like being able to be really soft and open and present when it's appropriate, but also if somebody's stepping to our boundaries, you could just put that energy. (laughs) I was like, really, I really liked seeing that, you know, it was very helpful because of course we all have our own inner patriarch. And so to work with those energies and see how for me, sometimes with the feminine, I veered into this like more weak feeling feminine. And so there's a strong feminine that's not manipulative or some of these other negative um, connotations. It was really helpful to see you embodying and expressing for us oh that's so great I love the way you describe that and yeah for me that is that real wise woman warrior archetype that we all have within us and like as we grow through all of life's challenges we really harness that incredible strength and courage that that dwells within each of us and it is completely possible to be in your feminine flow to be conscious of coming from a place of an open heart and compassion and be fully in your warrior and hold very strong boundaries against, like you said, that kind of patriarchal intrusive energy. And it's, again, this is something I find so fascinating whenever I kind of gather with really strong women and we are in ritual or ceremony and we are just fully embodying the power of the feminine and the divine feminine that energetically always attracts the opposite energy. It always attracts that patriarchal edge coming at us because the men, the souls who are embodying that patriarchal energy for us really are so triggered by our empowerment that it does create this energetic exchange really. And so I always feel that whatever we're doing on that individual level and within our small circles, we are having a huge energetic impact on the collective and you can see it manifesting all the time. And uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, that was a fascinating part of the pilgrimage playing out the entire time. And I was definitely being really challenged to be in my warrior and to protect that sacred container for all of you against those kind of patriarchal threats that were coming <laughs> at us. 
now, because we have Tim here and I want to include Tim in the conversation. So we were talking about these divine feminine things. And when we're talking about the patriarchal energy, like I said, we all have that within ourselves. Doesn't matter if we're in a male body or female body. And so, yeah, how do we include Tim in our conversation? We're not just talking about those that are in women's bodies, right? We're talking about men can work with the goddesses as well. Absolutely. I think it's so important because I work in a very union way. So I'm all about the anima and the animus and creating that sacred marriage, that sacred union within each of us. So each of us has a male and a female part of us. And I think it's just as important for the men to work with this feminine aspect and this divine feminine aspect. But what I also really see, and I don't know if this resonates with Tim, I would love to hear your views on this as a man. <laughs> but what I see is a lot of men struggling to be fully in their power while simultaneously engaging with this feminine aspect of themselves. I think it's really hard for men at the moment. There isn't like a blueprint of how to be fully in your, what I call like your hero warrior self and also be open to that feminine part of yourself. So I would love to hear from Tim around that. Oh yeah, absolutely. You're good at this. You kind of flipped it around and put the question on us. So yeah, yeah, I think it is a challenge for men right now, especially men in Western cultures where we're expected to behave in a certain way and even think a certain way. And so we have expectations put on us from a very young age about what's proper behavior. And I think that really influences you know, people, many of men's life decisions. And not always in a positive way, right? Because if an opportunity comes to you and in the form of that that may make you appear a certain way you may not take up that opportunity which is really unfortunate so for example anything that might threaten your sexuality your appearance to the society as a whole about how you are as a male right so if we don't consider the female aspect of ourselves and actually accept that we are both we're males and females at the core of our being then if we don't accept that, then we tend to, I think, act out in certain ways that are inappropriate. And I've seen this a lot with people I know, with myself, with a lot of people. And it always comes out, for males especially, it comes out as anger, right? But I think anger is just masked frustration. Not always, but in many cases, anger is masked frustration in the fact where we're feeling things and we're living a certain way that we can't I don't know what the word is, but it's almost like we can't unify our expectations and what we really want to do, right? Because at our deepest core, and it's funny, I'm going to use this example. It's a really crude example, but it's this thought where I have these biases in my mind where I see certain people a certain way because of what I just expect from out of them, just from their appearance, right? So for example, we met a person, he was really into guns. He loved guns. And so immediately in my mind, I categorize this person as a person who is probably extremely conservative. Like he probably votes a certain way. He probably behaves a certain way. He probably has all these things, right? But once I got to know him and understand like who he was really and why he was into guns, it completely changed 
my opinion of him, right? Like I already had him categorized, so I had to take him out of that box and put him in another box because the reason he loved guns was just because that was how he grew up. He grew up around people who taught him how to use them. He liked teaching people how to use them. It wasn't like anything nefarious about him. And he said this to me, and it made me really kind of think. He's like, anyone who has a gun, they don't want to really kill anyone. That's the last thing they want to do. But they want to be able to know that they're safe. And I thought, wow, that's a really interesting perspective. It's just that he's taking it to an extreme, right? Like he really wants this feeling of being safe. He wants this, and that's what everybody wants. Everybody wants to feel safe and secure. And so that was his reasoning behind being into guns. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. He's kind of a softy deep down. And I was like, there's this really this aspect of him that I didn't know until he said that to me. So I feel like that is essentially what happens with a lot of males. We have these feelings like, these tender feelings like we're sensitive, just like women. We're just as sensitive as they are. But we have to externalize this. We have to make this appearance that we're not sensitive, that we don't have those aspects, that we're like these really tough people who can handle anything. And that just isn't true. So I think what you said earlier about keeping an open heart, keeping just that attitude, that emotion, that feeling of like, hey, I can be open, I can be vulnerable, it's okay, mm-hmm. Like because we, mm-hmm. we all are. I think mm-hmm. that can go a long ways for men, especially because for me, it's like one of my kind of like golden rules now that when I come across like a decision or like a contemplation that I can't come to an easy resolution, so there, maybe there's like some tension in my life or in my mind, there's some decision to be made, I always come back to this really simple rule and it's like what what would i do if i were just trying to be kind if i were just trying to be loving if i were just trying to be accepting what would the behavior be then and so mm-hmm. you take that really simple essential rule like how can i just be kind here and it makes something really complicated super simple but that's mm-hmm. what i always try to go back to and that's a very feminine aspect that's a very feminine quality is like being kind and loving that's like so easy you know it really is easy if you think about it but life is is complicated so well that's my perspective wow that is so beautiful it really reminds me of something i heard last week and this woman said whenever you have like one of those shadow thoughts or judgments is to just immediately say, I forgive myself for that thought and I return to love. I return to love. And yeah, you speaking just so reminded me of that and it's beautiful, like for me as a woman to hear a man voice all of that and share all of that because that actually takes a huge amount of courage to go to those places of vulnerability and share that. And I think the more and more men can speak publicly like this, the more they'll feel safe to. Yeah, great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. So I was kind of curious, you mentioned earlier that you had spent time in southern Italy as a child. And so from that point, did that really influence what you consider to be like your spiritual journey? And maybe you can elaborate on what that was like for the remainder of your life until now. Yeah, 
Yes. So I actually started going there when I was 19 and I had an Italian boyfriend for five years and he was from a very rural village in southern Italy. So we spent all our summers living there. And as I was saying at the beginning, that really was my initiation into becoming fascinated by this path and this interplay, this Gnostic path. And at the same time, I was studying my first degree. And as part of that English degree, I had read all the Greek myths and I was studying the medieval mystics. And at the same age, 19, I remember calling my father, who I had these amazing philosophical discussions with, and saying, why is God male? That was kind of like the birthing of my feminism, really. And I have since been on a 30-year quest exploring that question. And after Italy and being initiated onto the path of the Black Madonna, who's this later embodiment of the original Black Earth Mother Goddess, I then went to Peru and I was working, volunteering with the orphans out there. But I was living in the house of a shaman and I traveled all around Peru with him and did some amazing ceremonies in ayahuasca in the jungle in the Amazon with one of the last tribes there. And that was really my initiation onto the path of Pachamama, of really honoring Mother Earth. And then when I returned to London, I went back to university and I did my master's in two years of my PhD research. And I focused on researching ancient paganism and Gnosticism and Christianity. And I really began to strip back the layers of patriarchal manipulation and appropriation of these ancient teachings, which from a sociological point of view, I could see had been done by patriarchal religion in order to predominantly control women in society. So as I began to peel back these layers of distortion and get to these, arrive at these original Gnostic teachings of early Christianity that are actually founded on millennia of pagan mythology, I really found my path, but at that point, it was more of a left brain academic path. So in 1999, I gave birth to my daughter, Sophia Mary, and she was born requiring life-saving surgery and another 11 operations. So she was the one who actually came in as this very ancient wise soul to initiate me onto a very lived embodied experience of that repeated sophianic descent and ascent of the soul. And that's when I came to truly embody and understand in that lived kind of right brain way who Sophia, the Black Goddess specifically is and her mythos and her archetypal energies. And they're actually founded on the original myth of Inanna Ishtar from Sumeria, which is in turn inspired by the movement of the planet Venus, which I track in my Rosemary membership. So Venus has this incredible journey, this eight-year cycle, and within that eight years, there are five 90-month synodic periods where she goes on these seven waning moon conjunctions, three lunations in the underworld, and then seven waxing moon conjunctions. And this inspired really the most important myth in the Rose lineage, which is this myth of the Nana and her descent and ascent out of the underworld. And 
this started to really become a path that I lived and breathed within my own personal experience, life experience. And with it, with every descent from the challenges of life and every ascent, I really felt such deep gratitude for the gifts of the greater wisdom and love and compassion and strength and courage that I was receiving from each of these challenging experiences. And so I channeled all my postgraduate research and these life experiences with my daughter into my historical witch family's novel, The Serpent's Tale, which is set in the village in Italy where I lived. And I'd had my second daughter at that point, and I was pregnant with my son, and we just moved down to Glastonbury Avalon, where I'd been coming for 10 years. And I gave a talk at the book launch to hundreds of people. And I was like, this is what I've learned. And it's through the darkest times of your life that, you know, you find the greatest gifts and will be born back into the light of wisdom. And it was like I'd thrown a gauntlet down to life. And well, and specifically to Avalon here in Glastonbury, the Isle of the Dead Transformational Rebirth. And three months later, I gave birth to my son, who was born with an even rarer syndrome. So he was born unable to breathe, feed, speak, or smile. And he spent five months fighting for his life in intensive care. And then we were given the option that he could either go into a nursing home or I could be trained by intensive care nurses which I chose. And for the next several months, I was resuscitating him under emergency conditions several times a day. And this experience took me to a whole other level of depth. And in that place, I experienced a rage and a lack of compassion that I didn't believe possible in myself like I didn't recognize myself but through going through this healing journey with these shadow emotions I was able to realize that goddess the divine source wasn't doing this to me and to my children but that actually she was the one that was holding me and holding us within that darkness and with, within that challenging time. And so I began to paint the Healing Room Art installation. It was literally like a nine month gestation. And I painted my way through the mother of loss and all my grief and anger through the mother of solitude, because I'm sure everyone can resonate with that deep feeling of aloneness that we all experience through our life challenges, regardless of how many people are loving and supporting us, there is that place of journeying into the wilderness on your own. And that is ultimately where you find your strength and power to survive, because you have to do that on your own. And then I came through into the Mother of Healing with Bridget, the Rose Celtic Goddess, and back to Kuan the Mother of Compassion. And I was able to feel compassion again. And when Zach was nine and Sophia was 19, so the kind of magical completion of those cycles, I founded the Avalon Rose Chapel in Glastonbury in, on Beltane in 2018. And that for me felt like this incredible culmination of those 19 years of journey with my children 
and all those years beforehand of journeying with goddess and all these myths and archetypes, it was a culmination of everything that we had been through and all my knowledge coalescing and being grounded in the energies of the earth as close as to the original Magdalene Chapel, whose foundations were found beneath Glastonbury Abbey. And that created a sacred container for the first time for the true Gnostic teachings that weave together these lineages of the Rose and the Celtic Druidic here on the Holy Isle of Avalon. And then as time was saying, when the pandemic hit, I had to close those premises, but through this incredible series of synchronicities, I was able to purchase this incredible chapel on the Isle of the Dog in the Great Lake of Avalon beneath the dog star Sirius. And uh, so this sacred space is now the container for the teachings that I share on what I call the Avalon Roads lineage. That was a beautiful journey. I was thinking about how, yeah, it's it's really helpful to kind of study these myths and the Venus cycle. And I really like the word initiation because it's not something that we always talk about because we don't have a lot of ceremonies in our society anymore. It's very secular. We don't see our life in that way as these cycles. And so, like you said, when the difficult things happen, it just seems really unfair. We feel really lost versus when we study these myths and these cycles, we realize that that is part of the journey and that is part of the human experience. And like you said, when we go down in the depths, that's where we gain a lot of our inner strengths and our deep insights and inner gifts. And so it really helped me because I hadn't really studied any of these myths in these goddesses before or the Venus cycle or all of these things. But to be able to relate our lives to that, the cycles in our lives and put that into perspective, I think is so helpful. We're so disconnected from that now. And to realize that we're not alone in our pilgrimage, we all had different backgrounds and different stories. But again, you can still see those cycles flowing through regardless of whose life or what story. And to be able to apply that and to feel connected to one another really, really helps support us through our journey. Yeah, absolutely. I so agree with you, love. I do. I find like the myths and especially this archetypal descent and ascent of the soul is just so reassuring. And like you say, everyone resonates with that. Everyone, every soul goes on this journey repeatedly through each lifetime. And there is so much to be gained from the utter trust and surrender to the journey, because we know if we're on that downward spiral, that there is only one way after that, we're going to come back up and just trusting in the rebirth is one of the most empowering things because then we can surrender to whatever shadow experiences are moving through us. Because I think it's the resistance against the shadow experiences that causes a lot of the trauma within that experience. But if we surrender and trust in the rebirth, then I think we are reborn much more quickly through that experience than if we resist it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned that you had purchased this chapel under a series of synchronicities. I want to hear more about that story. And then also, do you have regular services there or do you live there? How does it work? What happens there? 
So the Avalon Rose Chapel is a retreat center. So it's available to hire for groups of up to 12. And we come here and then when our guests aren't here, and then I also run retreats here myself. But it is the most incredible sacred container. And it was just amazing what happened because I'd been renting for a couple of years during the pandemic and I was looking to buy. And I had this full intention to return back to the land where I grew up, which is about three hours away from here. And I put an offer in on a house and it was all going through. And they pulled out literally the night before we were going to exchange contracts. So I was like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? And I was under a time pressure to get it done legally in the UK. So I was looking on the Internet and I looked at all these houses and none of them felt right. But I was going to just have to go for one anyway. And then I changed the map search or the map search changed itself on on Google. And this chapel just pinged up. And it was like 10 times better than any other house I'd looked at. And it was back in the next door village to where I'd first lived when I'd moved down here. So back in the land that I feel is the land of my soul down here. And I knew before I even stepped in the house that that, that it was the one that I was being guided there. And then I walked in and the woman who'd been the guardian of it for 10 years had all the same books, research books, all the same artwork, statues, and then you immediately she was on exactly the same spiritual path. And I just began to cry. And the state she was just looking at me like crazy woman. And then it all just flowed with such ease and grace. But it really was a very strong, energetic handing over of the guardianship, really to us and she gifted me some beautiful artwork. And then when the first day of only it I walked into the garden and there were these four crow feathers that had been placed I think very ritually in the garden on the land so I feel so deeply blessed I know that it was very set up by spirit and and now it feels such a blessing to be able to offer the sacred space for other people to use because the energies are so incredible like the Michael Ley line I'm literally sitting on the Michael Ley line so it flows through Glastonbury Tour and then through this chapel, through St. Michael's Church, and then to Barmont, the sacred hill mound near here, which is like a smaller version of the tour. So the energies are incredible. They're deeply healing. And it is a real blessing for us to be able to gift the space for groups to come here and really receive from these energies. Can you explain what the Michael Ley line is for people who are not familiar? Yeah. So in the UK, we have our two primary ley lines. Some people call them dragon lines, which are like energy lines in the earth, are called the Michael and Mary ley lines. And they create this incredible like serpentine path all the way from the east coast, the northeast coast, down to the southwest coast. and at various points, they cross in what's known as the sacred union or the sacred marriage. So the Mary Ley line is obviously the feminine line, and that tends to run through all the valleys and the ancient sacred wells and springs, which often now have churches dedicated to St. Mary built on them over the sacred springs. 
And then the Michelet line tends to flow through the high hilltops, the Beacon Hilltops, and obviously carries that very masculine energy and often has chapels or churches dedicated to St. Michael on these hilltops. And then at these sites, and there's one, they do it in Glastonbury Abbey and they do it here on Borough Month, they unite and they cross and they create this incredibly powerful energetic vortex of sacred marriage energy. Uh, so I literally walk between the two ley lines in the fields with my dogs behind the chapel. So I literally feel like I'm walking in like the fields of the sacred marriage every day. And then with all my groups and my pilgrimage, I take them on the first day to bar month and we do a really profound ceremony working with these energies that really create that alchemical sacred marriage between the red of the female Mary and the white of the male Michael, actually within the land of Avalon. Wow. Do you, do you think that this time on the planet right now, which obviously these are special times spiritually, do you think we're ready for that sacred marriage energy finally to be embodied? Definitely. Oh my goddess, yes. But as everyone knows, we have to find that within ourselves first. And that's mm-hmm. definitely the journey that I've been on. And I was single for two and a half years, kind of over the portal of the pandemic. And I had to do so much deep shadow work on myself, looking back at my past decades of relationships and doing a lot of deep healing and deep soul searching and really coming home to myself, that real Lilith energy, that inner sacred marriage, before I was actually able and felt strong enough within myself and my love for myself and my self-sufficiency to actually call in an alpha male who could match my strength Mm -hmm. because I needed to reach that point within me where I could release control basically you know yeah so that I think in in order to call in that soulmate or that twin flame or whatever you want to call it that person who is going to match you you have to do that in a while and create that sacred marriage within and that requires a lot of honesty (laughs) and vulnerability Mm -hmm. what do you want to tell our listeners about what are you working on these days or yeah oh so much (laughs) so I have my Mary Michael pilgrimage to Glastonbury and the Sunlands coming up in 10 days so the doors are open for next year's one next June for that And then my Avalon Rose practitioner training, which he did, begins on the 19th of June when that finishes. And that's an incredible invitation to really harness your soul gifts and for me to empower you to unite your innate soul gifts, your lived embodied gnosis with the practitioner, the transpersonal techniques that I share with you and the Rose Lineage Mysteries in order to take those teachings out for the healing and empowerment of women ostensibly. So that I feel really passionate about. Mm-hmm. And then I have my Rose Goddess pilgrimage to Sicily, which she came on last year. Can't believe we're going back. So yeah, that's on the 9th of August. So again, the same dates as last year, so I cannot wait to go back. And then my priestess training begins when I get back uh, in late August. So yeah, every year I run those four events, the two pilgrimages and the two trainings. 
Beautiful. Yeah, exciting. Sounds great. So it looks like we're already out of time. And can you please let our listeners know where they can find you online if they want to find out more about you and your book and your services? Yes, sure. So my website is AnnabelleDeBoulet.com. And then you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook under that name. Awesome. It was such a pleasure to have you on. I love having my teachers and guides come on our podcast. Thank you so much, Annabelle. Thank you so, so much for inviting me. It's such an honor and I love connecting with you again. Yeah, I wish you well with all of your wonderful offerings and events that you have coming up. Thank you so much, lovely. And so good to meet you, Tim. Yes, likewise. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Illusion. I'd like to say thank you very much to Annabelle for taking the time to talk with us and for sharing her gifts and knowledge with us. To find out more about Annabelle and her offerings, as well as her book, you can find her at AnnabelleDeBoulet.com. That's spelled A-N-N-A-B-E-L-D-U-B-O-U-L-A-Y.com. Thanks to everyone that made this podcast possible. Produced and hosted by Tim Howe and Tiana Roser. Music by Casey Henson. For more information about us or to access past episodes, please visit beyondtheillusionpodcast.com. Please remember to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you listen. This really does help other people find us. Thank you and take care.